Hello, fellow Powder Hounds, and welcome to the Powder Hounds Podcast, the Ski Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. You can follow me on Twitter at PowderHoundSkis. You can also email me at PowderHoundSkiTrivia at gmail.com for comments, questions, or corrections. As we enter beach season in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm going to try something new. Mini episodes. Runtime of 15 minutes or less. Feature topic only. Minimal, if any, editing. We'll see how it goes. We just want to leave more time for the beach. Come winter, I have a couple new ideas to try out as well. The music inspiration is Dave Matthews Band and the song Rhyme and Reason because my last two runs of the ski season started from none other than the Blue Square Trails Rhyme and Reason next to the Northridge Triple at Killington. And yes, you sticklers, the trail name Rhyme is spelled differently than the rhyme in the song. Whether or not you'll be catching a DMB show this summer, I invite you to sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powderhounds. Sources for today's episode, Google Maps, MidwestGears.com, NSAA.com, and various ski area websites and newsletters. Moving right into the featured segment, 10 observations from the 2022-2023 ski season. To be clear, I'm not a big fan of top 10 top 20, top 50, or even top 100 lists. Most lists are a slog to get through. Many are subjective, so the information being ranked or listed may not be new, helpful, or worse, misleading. And top rankings of, say, ski areas tend to just move up or down a few positions rather than add a ton of new places you've never heard of to consider visiting. Nevertheless, I was recently reflecting on the past ski season. As of this typing, my backyard, the Northeast, is down to just three ski areas in Vermont still spinning lifts, though admittedly by the time this episode gets published, only Superstar at Killington will be open for a few more weekends. While the season is effectively over back East, it is far from over out West, like Daily skiing will be happening in California through July. So book that plane ticket, East Coasters, and say you skied during your summer vacation. The past ski season was another roller coaster ride. Record snow, record participation, yet record prices, record crowds? That's probably not surprising, but there were also some other notable discoveries. Nothing earth-shattering, just good information East Coasters should know to anchor their future ski seasons. All that is to say, against my better judgment, here are 10 observations from the past winter season. In no particular order. Number 10. Record-breaking snowfall. Quote, Mammoth Mountain surpasses all-time season snowfall record, will be open until at least July. End quote. But as of April 25th, Mammoth was sitting at 901 inches after the last storm dropped another 6 inches 
from the previous weekend, suffice to say, Mammoth Mountain is calling it second season. From their website, get ready to carve up some serious fun this spring and summer. Thanks to our record-breaking snowfall this season, we're excited to offer the best spring skiing conditions we've ever seen, with the forecast calling for crisper, bluebird days, and soft, buttery snow underfoot, there's never been a better time to hit the slopes. I don't know about you, but skiing over summer vacation in this hemisphere sounds well worth pursuing, whether or not you have an Icon Pass. Number nine, 309, as in $309. You must have read the headlines. Here's five of them. From first from the Storm Skiing Journal, Arizona Snow Bowl peak day lift ticket hits $309 from Ski Magazine. In defense of Arizona Snowball's $309 lift tickets, from Snowbrains, Arizona Snowball first resort to charge $300 for a day ticket. Outside Magazine, Arizona ski area has priciest lift ticket at over $300 and ski the world. What? $309 single day lift ticket? Yes, the ski area, Arizona Snowball, like an increasing number of other ski areas, uses dynamic pricing to determine their day lift ticket prices, purely based on demand. I recall Steamboat set the previous record at $279, but $309 blows the previous record price out of the water. It's awful, but we have to ask ourselves, how high can the price of a day lift ticket go? I kind of want to find out. Number eight, mega pass pricing and lift ticket prices continue to rise. This is from NSAA on season pass data. For the fourth season in a row, season passes surpassed day tickets in share of skier visits. Season pass holders make up 50% of visits nationally, with standard day lift tickets making up 33% of visits. The balance is claimed by frequency products, off-duty employees, and complementary products. This is important because whether you're Epic, Icon, Mountain Collective, or Power Pass, the price of most of their products has gone and is going up. A few examples, Epic Local Pass. Last season, it started at $626. This season, $676. Icon Base Plus Pass. It's <laughs> a mouthful. Last season, $969. This season, $1,049. Mountain Collective, $539. Last season, this season, $570. The Power Pass, $699. Last season, this season, $749. Even the Indie Pass, which sold out within days of opening beyond the renewing pass holders, increased their price last season from $279 to $399. Now an outlier, the price of an Epic Day Pass for three days is pretty much unchanged from last season. I know, I bought one. Last year, a three-day Epic Day Pass, again, this was preseason pricing, was $216, it's now just $223. None of this is surprising. The growth of inflation made everything more expensive. Number seven, mobile apps and RFID to alleviate different lines. 
Originally, I recall the advent of the RFID card was to make lining up and lift lines or the lift queues more efficient. Scanning covered or dangling lift tickets was surely a chore. Not to mention doing it when people are on deck to load was a recipe for disaster. Now, it seems the RFID and mobile app push is to alleviate ticket window lines. Fantastic. It's about time. I witnessed the comically horrible ticket window line form one Saturday in February at a not-to-be-named Megapass resort. The only good thing about that situation, I happened to be the second person in line. All it took was two customers with complicated redemption situations to cause enough of a delay that, I kid you not, the line was well over 50 deep when I left. Queue up the mobile pass on the new My Epic app means access to the mountain hands-free with your phone. But even non-megapass ski areas are making the shift to RFID. Magic Mountain in Vermont, is going RFID next season. I'm sure there are others too. Now interestingly, my experience redeeming an IndyPass day lift ticket at Magic was the fastest, smoothest transaction among any transaction at Ascaria I can recall in recent memory. But I get it. If you time your arrival poorly and face an agonizingly long line for something that you previously bought but may just have to show your ID to claim, it makes all the sense in the world to have your redemptions preloaded on an RFID card in advance of your arrival. Number six, early openings. The race to open is here to stay. Sure, the big badass ski areas are more likely than not to open first, and it's anyone's guess if the ski areas will actually remain open rather than just being open sporadically until mother nature dumps the goods. Regardless, as we witnessed in every region last season, it's a point of pride for mountain operations teams, generates excitement and anticipation for the upcoming season among pass holders, and most important, gives us more days, well, hours, to make some turns. Will the regional winners defend their titles this coming fall? If you need a reminder of those winners in the Midwest, that would be Wild Mountain, which opened one hour before Andes Tower Hills on October 17th. Andes Tower Hills made the mistake of, well, they had to tell somebody they were opening at one o'clock on October 17th, and Wild Mountain beat them to it. Out West, there was A Basin in Colorado. They opened on October 23rd, a few days before the next ski area. And then back East, that would be Sunday River in Maine, which opened three hours before the defending champion for the last couple decades, Killington in Vermont. Number five, session tickets provide a wonderful option. Indeed, a wonderful option at smaller ski areas is choice, skiing all day or for part of the day. An increasing number of smaller ski areas not affiliated with a mega pass offer session lift tickets for a set amount of time i.e. two-hour session, four-hour session, morning session, night skiing, after 3 p.m., etc. Usually, session lift ticket prices are discounted significantly during the week, making an unplanned visit an affordable option. Imagine that, unplanned, affordable skiing, it is possible. Number four, tailgating, every day. I was fortunate to ski mostly on weekdays this past season, 
Incredibly, even on a weekday, there were a noticeable amount of people hanging out in the parking lot for breaks, lunch, or après. My favorite scene was at Mount Sunapee in New Hampshire. A massive four-sided pop-up tent, complete with skull and bone flags, more likely to be seen at a Jimmy Buffett show, were whipping in the air with a two grill setup underneath. The tent only provided minimal coverage to probably a couple dozen adults and kids as gusts were also whipping on the unseasonably chilly day in mid-April. Weather be damned, the adults were tossing bags, kids chasing each other around, pelting death cookies at one another with music blasting in the background. Indeed, there was a lot of spring in their steps. Number three, 20 before 1120. On a sunny and warm Friday at Crotchet Mountain in New Hampshire, I chatted with a ton of, let's just say, more seasoned skiers. We do have a lot to learn from our elders. I give you 20 before 1120. Now you're probably more familiar with the term 10 before 10. That is 10 runs before 10 a.m. A routine for many locals or season pass holders who bail once the crowds take over their mountain. By the 20, but the 20 by 11:20 is 20 runs by 11:20 a.m. As far as I'm concerned, the math checks out. So long as there are no breaks and no lift lines. It also got me thinking. What about 30 by 1:30 or 40 by 3:40? I may go back on another sunny Friday and try to set a new bar. Number two, some ski areas are located right off the highway. Ski areas being located right off the highway isn't probably news to you, but it is super good to know if you want to ski two or say even three ski areas in the same day. Here's a few off the top of my head. Bolton Valley in Vermont, 12 miles from I-89. Burke in Vermont, 11 miles from I-91. Northeast Slopes, also in Vermont, nine and a half miles from I-91. Thunder Ridge in New York, five miles from I-84. Camelback in Pennsylvania, two miles from I-80. Mount Southington in Connecticut, two miles from I-84. Whaleback in New Hampshire, less than a half a mile from I-89. Brattleboro Ski Hill in Vermont, less than a quarter of a mile from I-91. Number one, smaller ski areas are worth a stop. I'm going to spend some time on this topic in the next episode. There are many smaller ski areas sprinkled around large ski areas and resorts that you should visit. Most have affordable day tickets, even on weekends. If you are a season pass holder and need a reason to peel yourself away from your home mountain or partner mountains, I suggest you pick a new-to-you ski area and meet up with a friend who has a different season pass than you. Maybe the ski area is new to them too. I'm on Platykill, New York, and Ragged in New Hampshire as my new-to-me ski areas and would love to meet up with my epic friends after a day at Wyndham first. My next year season pass subtlety aside, if you discovered, experienced, or found anything that enhanced your ski season, please let me know. New-to-you ski areas, special events, lift ticket deals, eats, demos, even a shortcut down a muddy dirt road, anything, I would love to hear about it. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? 
email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at powderhoundskis. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhound Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. Some more locked up in this dark place And I 